Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette. My name is Ben Powers. I'm your host. And what we like to do with this podcast is we like to invite different business owners, different community influencers in Lafayette Parish that really highlight Lafayette Parish and what we're all about. Uh, so this is The Tea. Uh, today I have special guest from Iberia Bank, uh, Eddie Buttress, uh, Vice President Commercial Re- Relationship Manager, and Jerry Prejean, Senior Vice President Banking, Ma- Banking Private Banking Group Manager. <laughs> it's a mouthful. But uh, they're today with me uh, talking a little bit about some of the COVID-19, uh, you know, funding and things for small businesses to help kind of stay in, uh, in business and help employees stay uh, paid. But first, let me go ahead and let you guys know about our sponsor who makes this episode and all the other episodes they're sponsoring uh, possible. It is the Music Academy of Acadiana. Uh, the Music Academy of Acadiana is uh, Acadiana's top choice for music lessons in piano, guitar, voice, drums, violin, saxophone, flute, uh, audio production, and more. They teach students of all ages and styles. They have sent students to college to compete in major competitions and have also premiered on major TV music contests like American Idol, The Voice. Uh, the Music Academy is founded by a UL Lafayette graduate, Tim Benson. It, the, the Academy has been voted as a top finalist in the Best Music School by Readers of the Times of Acadiana since 2016, and they have won the National Music School of the Year Award in 2014. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, and to help foster the next generation of music musicians and creative thinkers. And you can find them online at their website, musicacademy.com. And then you can go to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all that good stuff. Their website's on the screen if you're watching live. And uh, we had them on uh, last week on the podcast and you can check that out tim benson and angel was here to talk about uh, a little bit about what they do and it was very informative and impressive so thank you for sponsoring that and now on to the episode so i'll let you guys introduce yourselves kind of uh what you do and uh we'll get started on some of the topics that, you, that we have certainly i'm uh, jerry prejean um, i manage the, i'm the private client group manager for iberia banks acadiana market and I've uh, been with the bank for about 18 years. Oh, yeah. wow. And Ben, yeah. thanks for having us this morning. Sure thing. Uh, I'm Eddie Buttress, and um, I'm a com- commercial relationship manager with Iberia Bank. I'm uh, basically one of the commercial bankers for the area. Uh, commercial lending, advising on depository relationships, and treasury management for business clients. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you guys. Uh, obviously, there's uh, a lot of people that are interested in hearing what you guys want have to say, and especially with COVID-19 still being uh, a thing of conversation because we're not out of it yet, uh, and small businesses are still trying to figure out how to survive and all that good stuff. So you guys uh, have information on the PPP efforts and all that good stuff. So if you guys want to elaborate a little bit about what you guys are doing with that. Certainly. I got to tell you, I'm very proud of the work that our company has done on putting the resources behind cranking out these PPP loans for our clients. Uh, It's really moved and uh, stabilized our community and really got some funding and paychecks flowing into households in Acadiana. And uh, the resources that they've put behind uh, these efforts have been... uh, uh, outstanding. 
Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, yeah, and I'm sure as, as you're a little bit aware, the the CARES Act um, that was put in place put out this payroll protection program that was um, at the beginning of April opened up to the banks to start to start funding these things. And um, over the last couple of months, there's been a, a good bit of evolution in the processes, and as people have started to understand how it's working and how it can benefit their companies and their employees, it's, um, it's been interesting to watch happen. Um, what are you guys seeing as far as the small businesses? Like, are they, are they happy to take advantage of this? Like, what are some of the hurdles, if there are any hurdles of getting the PPP? I mean, we have our own experiences of it, but I'm just curious on your front and what, you, what you guys are seeing. Well, I'm seeing uh, a lot of them are certainly uh, eager to take advantage of it. Um, I am seeing that some of the smaller mom and pop barbershops, service industries may not have uh, clean documented records on what their prior year earnings were and that made it somewhat difficult for them to apply for the, these types of loans. But um, if, if their paperwork's in order, it's, it's a relatively easy process to, uh, to apply and, uh, and usually have a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, so what are what are some of the these the stipulations behind this uh, program? Is it I've heard of things like it's forgivable. Like what are some of the details about that? Yeah. So the the fact is it originates as a loan, and that loan's based off of average monthly payroll for companies, and depending on the type of entity that they are, an LLC, a corporation, sole proprietor, that dictates their loan amount. And the government until recently, and there's some discussion about these rules changing on forgiveness, but initially the companies had 60 days to spend this money in qualifying categories, which means payroll, utilities, mortgage interest payments. Um, And at the end of that 60 days, those expenses would be measured. The government would say, okay, or the SBA would say, okay, this qualifies. And they would actually pay the bank back for that amount of the loan that was made to them. Okay. Interesting. It's it, so only a portion of it would have to be repaid, depending on how what they use. So the the goal is that yeah. they use all of it within the qualifying categories, and all of it is forgiven. Okay. That's the main goal. That's the goal. Okay. Um, and, and kind of game planning from the get go and budgeting out where your expenses, what they're looking like, will kind of help people do that. But like I mentioned, there are some changes that sitting on President Trump's desk right now waiting to be signed to extend the 60 days to um, to 24 weeks, I believe. That's correct. It goes yeah. from eight weeks to 24 eight weeks. weeks. Yeah. yeah, to 24 weeks. Um, but what you're kind of alluding to is the initial rules were you had to spend 75% of that loan on direct payroll expenses. Uh, and now, what if this bill is signed by President Trump into law, then now it would be only 60%. If you spent 60% of your loan towards direct payroll expense, the entire loan would be forgiven. So that's okay. the forgiveness portion that, that's got everybody's attention, if you would. So, so this uh, program is a government-backed program? That's correct. It's, okay. it's a, so it's, that's how it can be forgivable? Correct. Right. So the, the, they, they voted on it, they put it yeah. into law, the SBA is administering it and they're putting out to the banks. The banks are actually funding these loans 
but the SBA is providing 100% guarantees to the banks. Okay. In hopes that they don't, that the banks don't have to go out and recoup and exercise that guarantee, that's where the forgiveness portion comes wow. in. It's crazy, crazy times that we're in, especially, you know, no, I don't think anybody's lived through a pandemic. At least I haven't. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say no. <laughs> <laughs> so like um, we'll, we'll, we'll continue a little bit on the, the PPP stuff. So how are you guys handling COVID-19? Like what are some of the practices or changes that you guys made in your life since? Well, I got to tell you, our, our company has uh, really got ahead of this thing. And at, at first, you know, we, we thought it was a little overkill where we limited business travel. And then now we're also got, you know, 50% of our folks working remotely from home. We certainly have the, uh, have the opportunity for everybody to work from home. So what we've done is basically split our team into two different teams. Half works from home one week, the other, the other uh, team goes on into the office. So, and, and then flipping them around like that. So that's been helpful uh, to say that we can get a lot done remotely has uh, been a, a a learning curve, but we we made it through. Yeah, utilizing technology um, has helped a lot. I'm sure, as you know, if you're working from oh, home, yeah. doing a lot of work from home, you know, just pick up the office and move it into the dining room or the uh, extra bedroom at the house. Uh, What's crazy is it's like personally, I've always been, I, I've always been a uh, a supporter of being able to be mobile. Uh, I do almost everything on my phone. So the, the advent of these phones are amazing because I can, I can produce a podcast on it. I can control video. Um, I have a computer, but it's almost secondhand to my phone, which is weird. Um, and I've always tried to be mobile. I have, I've, I've been using Dropbox for over 10 years. And people are like, oh, man, you know, the, the whole cloud hard drive. I'm like, I've been using that. Like, and so it's interesting to see people now all of a sudden being forced to figure out how to have an office at home. And like, I, I, we didn't even have a printer. So we had to buy a printer for my wife and all that good stuff. And she, she's been working 100% from home. And it's to the points where uh, she works at LHC to where I'm not even sure if they're going to have them back even this year. Because they're building a big expansion, and so like right. they're not going to waste the expansion. They're going to have them back, but like the expansion is scheduled to be done in 2021. So it's like they're thinking, just keep them home. They're 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 working fine. Right. Let's just wait till the whole building's done. But uh, yeah, it's interesting to see, especially even uh, and I've talked about this before. Churches all of a sudden having to figure out how to go live with their their services. Like n- nobody's really had to think right. about all that. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean these. These mobile video conferencing programs. Are you guys using that? Oh yeah, yeah. we we do WebExes every week, and um, you know, trying to integrate that into client calling and discussion, um, and kind of you know, move over a little bit from in person interactions through all of this, um, because it's a pretty important time for us to to be in contact with our customers and make sure everything's going well you have to be in contact regardless if it's in person or not right 
And it's cool to see like uh, companies like Zoom and you said WebEx, mm-hmm. uh, all these different companies are exploding because now people are like, I need to utilize a way to see the people I'm working with and have meetings. And uh, it's cool to see some of these meetings recorded on YouTube with people doing fancy backgrounds and you know being able to change your face. But that's uh, a whole nother, yeah. oh, no, a whole nother fun part about the whole COVID thing. But uh, what are some other things that you are seeing, I guess, um, trends in maybe banking as far as the pandemic? Are there anything that stick out? Uh, I mean, I, I would say, you know, certainly within the last 10 years, a, a big push and transition into online banking and the growth of services offered through online banking. Um, the people that had not quite adopted the use of that yet have really leaned on that and are finally seeing the benefits of it. Um, so I think really the the back to technology, utilizing technology to live your life as normal as possible in these strange times. Right, very strange. Um, and then on the other end of it, they're realizing, well, this is really convenient. How, how have I not been doing this for as long as it's been available to me? So it's been interesting to see those that were very, very anti online banking, online transactions, those types of things, getting it, using it and being like, wow. you know, Yeah. This is so nice. Iberia Bank has an online app. We do. Correct. So what can you do on the app? Is it is it as useful as any of the other comparable banking apps? Anywhere from looking at your banking activity, making transfers, uh, making mobile deposits, you know, taking a picture of a check and making a deposit, uh, pay your bills. Uh, all those are available with the online app. Are you able to open up an account through the app? No, I think you can go online and open an account, but not through the app. Gotcha. And then once you have an account established, then you'll be able to download the app and start using the app. But you need an account to get the app. But everything everything can be done within the app as long as you have an account open already. That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. Right. I mean, that's that's useful. And if nobody's using yeah. that already, come on. Yeah. Okay. I've been using it for a long time. Like, I love the online stuff. Like, I, I pretty much made that clear. Um, but let's go back to the PPP. We have a, a, a graph that you guys posted on your social media, and I want to uh, pull that up here. Yeah. And so, um, give me one second. And so what you're looking at right now is the Paycheck Protection Program. This is how Iberia Bank is helping small businesses. So if you guys want to explain the graph. Certainly. So, so from the, based on the entire footprint of Iberia Bank, we've uh, applied and uh, processed uh, 14 uh, and a half thousand applications uh, that generated roughly about two billion dollars 2.04 billion dollars to our to our clients and their businesses which impacted really about 225,000 households uh, employees being able to take their checks home to cover their bills and their living expenses so uh, we're proud of all of the, the efforts we've made in that, and that is over the 10 state footprint of Iberia Bank Locally in Louisiana, we've done about 5,000 uh, 5, applications and drew down roughly about $620 million in loans. Oh, wow. And that assisted roughly about 72,000 households. And then here locally in, in Acadiana, it was roughly, roughly about 1,500 applications, which generated about $136 million in loans. And, uh, and really uh, impacted about 17,000 households. So we're very proud of the work that we've done for the PPP program. On top of that, 
we have done made a, a concerted effort to really make a donation of about a half million, exactly 500,000 to local food banks throughout the footprint, as well as we also did another million dollars in charitable loans, all related to COVID-19 and to a lot of the nonprofits that are really trying to get uh, services for folks that have really been impacted. So that, that goes straight to the, the point of supporting your local community, um, which is amazing. You said $500,000 to the, the food banks? To the food banks, right. Wow. And so obviously you mentioned a bunch of other um, sizable figures. And was that, a, was that a, an initial response just right out of the gate? Or do you feel like once banks started seeing other banks or if other banks even donated money, like... Was that a, just a, a, a gut reaction just to start donating money? No, I, th I think it was. Once we saw the impact that this COVID-19 was having on the community and we started seeing, you know, them getting calls, the food banks are getting calls looking for, the kids are out of school, uh, I've got to feed my kids, I can't go to work, I'm not make, make, making any income. So really we saw a strain on the food bank. So instantly we came up with this half million dollar program to kind of start um, supporting our food banks. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the other uh, SBA programs that you want to maybe mention if business owners are looking to try to figure out a way to survive if they can't, if they're not able to use PPP, are there other programs that they can use? Yeah, I mean, so at, at this point, I, I think for anybody, if you haven't considered looking at the PPP program, um, it's worth looking at, especially if, if times are tough, payroll is an issue. I think that's the first place people want to look at this point just because of the the favorable terms associated with it. But um, other than that, the, the SBA is looking at rolling out a, a new loan program. It hadn't, they haven't dropped it just yet called the Main Street Lending Program. Um, on the surface, it looks relatively complex, but that should be rolling out with a little more information. Um, soon, the Economic Injury Disaster Loan Program that's been out there since the start of this um, where they were offering grants up to $10,000 and then funding loans, typically 30 to 45 days after that, um, has been a great place for people to look. Very inexpensive money for 30 years. Um, that, until recently, was open to all businesses, um, but more recently, it's geared toward the agriculture business. So anybody in the agriculture business has access to that program for the foreseeable future. We're not sure if that's going to move back to everybody again um, I like to hope that it will because it's a, a great program and the immediate money that people needed was done with PPP and that would be a nice supplement to it I, I think but other than that the standard SBA programs uh, the SBA 7a SBA Express and SBA 504 programs are still out there being on and those are by. traditional more kind of traditional Just, loans correct yeah traditional loans through your your traditional bank lenders um, that are used for a handful of different things. Okay, so if they, if you, you are probably putting more emphasis on the PPP part, if they can take advantage of that to aim for that first. Yes, because right. of the forgiveness program yeah. and because of the very, um, uh, the terms of the, the program. And, I mean, obviously. And if anything, uh, the point I would like to make is really, guys, if you have not done the PPP program, consider doing it. Funds are still available. Right now, last we looked, there was $100 billion in that pool of funds that have not been tapped. So I would encourage folks, if they have not or may have gotten a slow response from some other financial institutions, 
continue to push because there's funds the funds are still available okay yeah. that's interesting because how many times has the the fund been refunded because it they ran out initially twice. right twice. twice okay yeah the, they had 349 billion dollars in round one and that was going in two weeks two weeks two weeks gone and then um, about a week after that, they re-upped it to another $310 billion. God. Yeah. So and then, interesting numbers. <laughs> and availability insane. has been the last four or five weeks, funds are still available. Yeah. Um, one of the things that um, I want to kind of mention, and you guys can either weigh in on it or we could pass. We could do All a hard right. pass if we need. <laughs> um, so in the first uh, round, there was a lot of controversy as far as the big businesses that were not necessarily mom and pop or small businesses per se, but like, uh, I, I can't even think of the names anymore. They, they fleeted my mind, but there were some big businesses that took advantage of the PPP program and took millions of dollars from basically the pool where that would have supported someone who was a smaller company. What, it, could you possibly put any word on that like how did that happen or is there was it a mistake or like was there paperwork fudged i mean how would something like that happen well i mean i think with a program like this in any program that's put together this quickly and rolled out it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all type of program um, people will get left out there's different interpretations to the rules and at the time i don't think there were issues with their paperwork i think it was all done legitimately um, but at the end of the day after all of the press about it and how much do they really need that money uh, I think they sat back and reconsidered um, that maybe they didn't right if you think about this program it was a federal program that was designed in probably two weeks everyone and rules changed and got tweaked along the way. So everyone tells me if the federal government is able to put together this program in two weeks, it's pretty, it's warp speed in the yeah, federal government. The government so, terms, yeah. so it rolled out and then along the way, they really continue to tweak the rules and really maybe closing some of the loopholes that may have been in the initial policies. So, um, but I, I, I like Eddie, believe that they was all done legitimately, all followed the rules. But again, the rules changed three or four times through this process, and I think may have closed some of those loopholes. Yeah. I mean, like you said, they're, they're already looking at possibly changing the rules a little bit more, uh, especially with the 60% rule uh, going down from uh, going back from 75. It's crazy that it was put together so fast, and now the changes are coming about. It's like how nobody can really plan for all of this like this just kind of got slapped in the face and what do you do and i'm surprised that the government the federal government especially has done as much as they have done like i'm i'm blown away with how much money is being put towards this like did we really have that much money like you know i thought we were, i thought the country was in debt how does that work they are in debt <laughs> <laughs> Country is the money's coming yeah. from somewhere. Right. Yeah. So it's just it's just amazing. As someone who's uh, younger and trying to understand, you know how how all this works, and it just it's you know I'm not gonna bark at it. If I can get some help, mm -hmm. uh, or if people can get some help, their small businesses can stay alive. Uh, why why bark at it if you're gonna get the help? But it's just it's just amazing to see, you know, all of this take place 
and all the different variables. Um, I, I don't know, I'm just blown away. But um, going a little bit, so I want to get I want to get your your take on 2020 as a whole so far. What is what is your outlook on 2020, and where do you think we're headed? throughout the rest of the year because we're up at the halfway point and it's it's pretty squarely so far. Well, I really think that we, we need to assess the true impact that COVID-19 has had on our businesses, on their clients' ability to repay their loans and really just kind of almost hit the pause button, provide any support that we can to keep these businesses up and running, but really helping them assess what has been the, what's the long-term effect of COVID-19 on their businesses. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to second that <laughs> fully. Yeah. Um, so going back a little bit on the, the local support, what are some of the things you guys have done locally in Lafayette to really make um, Iberia Bank a prominent local bank? Well, uh, I think what, what, what got me to Iberia Bank is dealing with a local banker that has still has lending authority, still has decisions to help clients structure their deals, still has decision to make overrides if, it, if the deal makes sense. Uh, and you're, so you're dealing with a decision maker versus I've been in institutions where you get a request and you've got to bubble them up to Chicago or New York and whatever decision came down, that's the decision you have to uh, deliver to your clients. I think uh, having a banker with some experience and some local decision making is, is huge. Yeah, that's certainly a huge part of it. Large bank capacity with with the local uh, community feel, and you look all over Lafayette and the Cadena area. Iberia Bank's a part of almost everything out there, yeah. whether it's um, raging Cajuns or um, different nonprofits. Any opportunity for the bank to be involved in things that better the community, um, I've always kind of been there to do that. And very supportive of the arts as well. Of the arts, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal right now, that especially right uh, now. in current in current uh, economic talk. That's a big deal. Um, but so I'm curious on the the Iberia Bank history because obviously the name Iberia is is a pretty local term. At least I, I take it as a pretty local term. Where was Iberia Bank? Uh, I guess founded. Like where at? In New Iberia. In New Iberia. In New Iberia. Started out as, I think, Iberia Savings and Loan and then evolved into, um, into Iberia Bank probably in 1990, mid-90s, and then uh, really converted to a true commercial bank in probably 98, 99, when uh, our current CEO, uh, President Daryl Burke, uh, got involved and really built a team around, uh, around the commercial aspect of the bank. So it started out as a bank. Yeah, uh, savings and loan, yeah, right. Okay. Yes. So a pretty small town kind of organization that, that really, I mean, over 10 states, I mean, if that's the footprint, that's that's a pretty decent-sized footprint. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, so I was going to ask about the, the future of Iberia Bank, or what is what does the future look like as of right now for Iberia Bank, well, if anything? We are uh, excited about an upcoming uh, merger. Uh, we're going to be merging with First Horizon, uh, based out of Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, and looking forward to uh, a larger footprint. Uh, First Horizon was basically uh, First Tennessee up until 
uh, fourth quarter of 2019 as they started uh, moving into the Carolinas, they rebranded themselves as First Horizon. That bank has been around since the Abe Lincoln days, so it's very established but highly concentrated primarily in Tennessee and a little bit in the Carolinas. Uh, so that uh, merger is scheduled to take place uh, at probably by the end of June this year. And then the true conversion where you start seeing name changes will happen probably first quarter of 2021. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, well, look, this is, has been a very uh, interesting uh, topic to talk about. Obviously, we can talk about COVID-19 and all the different things that it's affecting you know, for a long time, because, you know, there's been so much that's happened. But is there anything that you guys want to put out there that should be put out there for people that may be listening? Uh, if Again, if you have not applied for PPP, please do so soon. Funds are still available, and I think it would be beneficial for small businesses to uh, take advantage of this program. Absolutely, and to kind of piggyback off of that, if you don't know where to start, I mean, I think the first place to start is Get with your bank, find an accountant or a CPA or a payroll company um, to help talk through these things. There's a lot of resources out there right now around this, a lot of good information um, that won't take you a whole lot of time to really wrap your hands around the program and what you need to do um, to get it done. Awesome. Well, cool, guys. Well, I appreciate you uh, coming on and talking with me a little bit about it. And... uh, Yeah, maybe um, hopefully 2020 turns out a little bit better. And especially with your guys' help, uh, I'm pretty sure all of us will kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Thanks for having us. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, Thanks Eric. All right, have a good one. For information on sponsoring the Tea Podcast by Developing Lafayette, go to our website at developinglafayette.com and click Advertise.